Hi listeners, in this episode of the David Crit podcast, we're going to step outside and wander into the forest, a forest that is populated with trees drawn and printed by William Kentridge. We are going to hear thoughts and extracts related to the presence of trees in Kentridge's bodies of work. In the few years around the time of his delivery of the Edward Charles Norton lectures at Harvard University in 2012, William Kentridge drew a lot of trees. This is not to say that trees were a new thing for him to draw, but there does seem to be a proliferation of the subject matter in his work between 2011 and 2014. Subsequently, there has been a lot of thinking and writing about how trees fit in and why, aside from being lovely and important, and also what it means to draw trees, and what it means to draw trees on paper that was made out of trees, and on paper that contains knowledge that branches out like a growing tree, dictionary or encyclopedia paper, for instance. Examples of this kind of work stretch way back to 1999, to the Sleeping on Glass series of etchings on Sheen Calais pages, which feature images of trees printed onto existing pages of text, with more text printed in red ink on top. In two sibling works titled This is How the Tree Breaks and Terminal Hurt, Terminal Longing, a tree is seen flourishing in the former work and split in two as if struck by lightning in the latter. In a variation on the theme, we can look to the Universal Archive series of liner cuts for which ink drawings were photocopy transferred onto small linoleum plates and a team of carvers was gathered, headed by Gillian Ross of the David Crutt workshop, with a view to recreating the drawings through relief printing. Once carved in minute detail, the images were printed onto pages from three different 1950s dictionaries. Some images were printed on a single dictionary page, some two pages, later 15 and 30 pages. If you have no eye, the pinnacle work of the series is made from 67 linoleum plates, printed onto 104 pages, which were then variously torn, cut, and left whole. Each piece was then assembled and collaged, like a puzzle, onto another layer of dictionary sheets that serve as the background field. The dictionary paper and both glossy and matte inks help the tree to find its form. The entire process, from preparing the linoleum, carving the plates, printing the pieces and assembly, to arriving at a final result and then producing the full edition, took a massive two years to complete. The following extract from That Which We Do Not Remember with Jane Taylor relates directly to a drawing made by William Kentridge in 2013 of a tree in ink on dictionary pages titled Secondhand Reading. The text speaks to the presence of trees in Kentridge's work and is a relevant insight into the large-scale liner cuts on dictionary paper depicting pictures of trees. Lacabriac and If You Have No Eye, which are the pinnacle works in the Universal Archive series of liner cuts made in collaboration with master printer Jill Ross and her team at the David Crit Workshop between 2011 and 2014. First, we are going to listen to an extract written by Kentridge himself, followed by thoughts and ideas by Jane Taylor. To live with a tree for 50 years is a sign of privilege and surplus. To not need the tree for either wood or fire is a luxury. When I was nine years old, we planted some white stinkwoods in the garden, two white stinkwood trees in the garden. All my childhood, I waited for the trees to grow, to be strong enough to hold a hammock. They refused. Twenty years later, I returned to live in the house with my family, and the tree was mature. Fifteen years later, the trees were magnificent. And then one of them was struck by lightning and died. The shock, not just the hole in the shade canopy, the gap in the garden, 
but rather the shaking of the belief that a tree is a gift for future generations, or if not for future generations, then at least for other people. Its lifespan should be so much longer. How could the tree die before me? No. If the tree could die, how vulnerable are we, or am I? I'd really meant to write about the making of the tree page by page, growing it from the trunk up, filling the branches with paper leaves and with the marks of the bad brush, the ink in the bark, a tree you could disassemble into its pages and hide in a library, like hiding a book in a forest. Kentridge has a deep sense of the matter of his artistic practice, and so the paper and the charcoal are both, in a substantial way, literally so, present for him in tree. It is thus rather striking to observe the teasing out of thought as Kentridge considers his material resources. Johannesburg is by repute the largest human-made forest in the world, with over 10 million trees. This reputation serves to register the massive asymmetries of wealth and ease within a city built on mine labour, with sprawling townships that are marked for their treelessness. It is striking that the tree, as paper, as charcoal, as wood, as organic present, is so powerful in Kendridge's sensibility and integral to his creative endeavour. This extract from That Which We Do Not Remember with Jane Taylor was written by Kentridge and relates directly to a drawing made in 2013 titled The Overdetermined Branch. However, the text is relevant to insights into the use of dictionary papers as substrate in the Universal Archive series of liner cuts. Important to note for this part is that the Oxford English Dictionary was made by means of countless Victorian voluntary public contributions, as recounted by Simon Winchester's book, The Surgeon of Crowthorne. The book demands its meaning, burying earth in earth, flavouring water with water, ink over ink. Even as I read the poem, I miss the poem. The gathering together of a dictionary. A page of the dictionary comes towards you, but what comes is not only the words and the meaning of the words, but the image of the Victorians in the garden shed and their index cards upon which they are gathering their meanings. People around the world, Readers around the world send in their etymologies on the index cards to become part of the vast project of making the dictionary. Specific entries reach you, but there is also a flowering and enleafing of the trunks and branches that flow through the brain, of associations, phrases, thoughts, memories that were neither there in the pages nor present in your head before the pages. A dictionary is not the same size as a head, although it is quite close and the thousands of pages in the dictionary do not even begin to match the uncountable number of thoughts, associations, flashes of ideas that zoom around inside the head. But nonetheless, there is something of the weight and pages enclosed within the cover of a dictionary that has an association with the memories, the thoughts, the knowledge of different kinds that we have inside our heads. And the drawings on the different pages of the book do not try to give a map of the way they think but rather put a marker for the processes and predictability and marvels of association that we produce in our heads all the time. This extract from That Which We Do Not Remember with Jane Taylor was written by Kendridge and relates to his large-scale liner cut, Walking Man, the sister work of which, Telephone Lady, can be seen in the exhibition 27 Years of Collaboration at Davicret Projects, 142 Jan Smuts Avenue, Parkwood, until the 17th of November 2019. A man takes the only job he can find, that of a watchdog. In the end, he becomes that dog, 
with his speech finally giving way to barking. This nightmare slash dream is from an agitprop piece of theatre in which I performed back in the 1980s. I played the boss in a pinstripe suit. Here, by analogy, is the man carrying the tree who becomes the tree. My references, too, are also surely from Ovid's exploration of the panic that accompanies all metamorphoses. Trying to escape a husband's murderous rage, a woman turns into a bird and flies away. Daphne, fleeing the attentions of Apollo, turns into a laurel tree. And, of course, Burnham Wood does come to Dunsinan. I thought of none of these connections while making the lino cut, but I presume all were there in some antechamber of the brain, watching my blindness. The following extracts come from two lectures that Kentridge delivered, Humanitas Visiting Professorship in Contemporary Art from May 2013 and the Berlin Marseille Lecture in January 2014, entitled A Dream of Love Reciprocated, History and the Image. The first quotes relate to deconstructing and reconstructing images and the world of the studio. To use the studio and the idea of the studio as both the location in which something is constructed from different fragments and also the model of what we do when we try to shift between the various ideas around us to arrive at a clear trajectory. The studio becomes a place for the world to be deconstructed, taken apart and then put back together. One thinks of collage as a particularly 20th century artistic phenomenon, but in its very nature of pasting together different fragments of the world and the possibility of constructing a coherent world from them, it is a central category today, both for artistic activity in itself and artistic activity as a metaphor for how we think in general. At a certain point, our projection of possible shapes and images meets the drawing halfway and the drawing or painting becomes a membrane between the world as it comes toward us and the projection of our ideas or images onto it. On good and bad brushes. I have some brushes that hold their point and shape very well and can do a fat line or a thin line. That is not the case with a bad brush. The fat one here, which you can see by looking at its point, is a cheap brush and I have mistreated it. It doesn't keep a good point. It flakes out into many strands. This in itself suggested a kind of featheriness that wasn't completely appropriate for the coffee pot, but which provided a looseness, growth and multiplicity that turned the drawings into a series of trees. Working with this bad brush and these different fragments, I started creating trees, allowing them to take form from fragmentary sketches done on pages that were gradually collaged together to allow a tree form to emerge. On the idea of a tree search, which comes from a conversation Kentridge had with Basil Jones from Handspring Puppet Company, in which he misheard tree search for t-shirt, which led to an entire etymology what a tree search could be. It was interesting that when I misheard the word, I had first cursed myself with stupidity and then invented a whole world of research and diagrams of what it could be, as if it really existed. This is interesting not because of the idea of a tree search, but as a demonstration of the irrepressible human need of making sense of the world, of taking incoherent fragments, this phrase tree search, and constructing a possible coherence out of them. Taking two unrelated phrases, as one would with a dream thought, and making a complicated dream out of them with the same speed as one would make an image in a dream. 
In half a second, a whole etymology and history and examples of tree searches unfolded. That was one origin of the trees, and the trees I was constructing became a demonstration of this tree search in paper and ink. On remembering the trees in trial. When I was between the ages of three and six, my father, who was a lawyer in South Africa, was working every day on what was known as the treason trial, a trial of 156 members of the African National Congress, including Nelson Mandela, who were on trial for treason between 1958 and 1961. In the end, all were finally released and acquitted. But to my three or four or five-year-old head, I always had a different, much more domestic association. At the bottom of our garden, there was a group of fir trees and on our veranda, we had a mosaic table. We used to talk about the tiles on it. So for me, for all those years, my father went off every day to the trees and tile. So when my wife saw that I was making trees out of different sheets of paper that go together like tiles, she said to me, oh my God, you're still painting the trees in trial. On constructing trees out of texts in dictionaries, I'm not sure how far one can go to find the parallels between the condensation and displacement that one does in dream work, the activity we do when we transform latent thoughts into a manifest dream. What I'm interested in showing is that these processes are the fundamental building blocks of how we understand the world and how we force an understanding onto it. The links, jumps and visual and verbal games, not that we can do, but that we can't stop ourselves from doing. In the drawings of the trees, these leaps happen between words being present sometimes as tonal elements, or as words in themselves, or as objects in the tree of ideas. Their meaning in the drawing changes or varies. It's not about tracking down a primary trauma, but rather about acknowledging these processes and perhaps to celebrate them and revel in the possibilities they can release into us. Those kinds of transformations become important in how one allows things to happen in the studio, such as a bad brush transforming a drawing of a coffee pot into a drawing of a tree. Drawing with a bad brush was a way of arriving at a series of drawings of trees, but it was also a way of trying to understand the strange relationship between my memories of my father working on the treason trial when I was younger and the idea of information sprouting from a tree. Not having to ascertain that there is a fundamental reason for these associations, but rather allowing a multiplicity of reasons to flow along the idea is one of multiplicity, a second-hand reading, a re-inscribing of texts and books. From the Berlin Marseille Lecture Notes. Recently, and I have been back in Germany many times since that first visit, I was working with a Swedish boat builder for a project here in Berlin, Black Box, at the Deutsche Guggenheim, as it was then called. We had to finish some construction here, and I remember that he remarked that he hoped we did not have to use German oak. I wondered if this was Swedish anti-German chauvinism, but he said no. It was because German wood was so full of shrapnel. Seventy years after the war, the trees still had the bullets in them, holding their history in their living limbs. The dislike of the wood was the fear of damaging the blade of a saw on the metal in the wood. It is one thing for a building to have scars, traces of history inscribed on it, but it feels so strange to have trees still living, holding the history in them. Sitting in the garden, looking at a tree for five minutes, a white stinkwood, this is the procession of thoughts. A wood hoopoo, its call heard. The bark of the tree is like old skin. An unspecified anxiety. 
the ease of the tree's balance, an impulse to fix the structure of the tree, to draw the tree, yesterday's news from Aleppo, a memory of Ethiopian music, two private thoughts, branches of the tree like the brachi of a lung, the 53 years of the tree, the ghost of the other tree in the garden that split in half in a windstorm last year, whiskey that I need to buy, the tree as a prisoner in the garden, the mortality of trees, the beach I would walk on in three weeks' time, my grandson on the beach, my grandson on a swing in the branch of a tree, a memory of a home movie of my father mowing the lawn. The mind resists focus. Even when focused, as on the tree, this focus is porous. Impurities and digressions abound. But perhaps these digressions are part of the focus. The tree contains more than itself. The tree itself throws up these ideas that seem so far from it. We meet the tree or the song halfway. It presents itself, and we meet it not just with open recognition, but with a library, both public and private, of associations, memories, private stories. Some obvious connections, others tied to it so abstrusely we struggle to find the logic in the connection. The overdetermined branch, this is how the tree breaks. For the last year I have been drawing trees. I had Chinese brushes which hold their point for a while and then change, and the point splays out and makes a group of imprecise marks rather than the clear calligraphic mark of the good brush. The bad brush suggests the plethora and the ordered randomness of leaves or the feathery twigs at the end of a branch. There was a memory of some trees I had drawn in some charcoal landscapes in which I had been dissatisfied with the transformation of charcoal into foliage. Here was a chance to rescue those trees. The trees are grown. Pages of the encyclopedia with trunks, with secondary branches, foliage, grass, shadows, sunlight on a trunk are collated and collaged to make the trees. The tree can find its form. Pages can be more or less overlapped, other pages added to change the shape. Only months after starting the project, it occurred to me that the trees on encyclopedias referred back to the Ur tree of Western art, the tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis. While making the trees, I had thought they related to landscapes, the colonial landscapes I had used in drawings for a production of Goethe's Faust, Faustus in Africa, made with Handspring Puppet Company in 1996. In one of the drawings for Faustus, there was a drawing of a tree based on a colonial image of an Mbinda cemetery. In the Mbinda tradition, people were buried in the shade of a tree, their graves marked with broken pottery vessels and plates. The thought in the original films was of colonial Africa, the death of history and the death of particular memories, traces left in the landscape, the only remnants. This is a mixing of images and texts, questions from one world finding answers in another. What remains for me is a caution about large certainties and a belief in constructive, small-scale coherences, a belief in the provisionality of moments of meaning. It is not a question of constructing points of resemblance or affinity, so much as being open to recognizing them after the event and perhaps integrating them. What is the knot tying the image to the world? The visual similarity between an image of a tree formed on the retina and held in the brain. The similarity between this image and the image of a drawing of the tree formed on the retina, but also sets of associations, memories that hover above the image, a mediating membrane between what is in the world and what is already in each of us. Fragments of personal history that connect us to broader history, 
Nothing is understood in itself. Its meaning is always a construction we bring to it. Confronted with a clearly half understood, where we are aware of the gaps we must jump over, we become aware of our complicity in the ways we give meaning to something. And that does it for this episode. Devakrit Podcast is a production of Devakrit Projects. Producer and editor was Hagen Gazi. He also mixed this episode. Narration and creation of text was done by Jacqueline Flint. Until next time, I'm Britt Lawton.